Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit Run on the Score. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with, with you until 1245, taking you up to Cubs baseball. This hour on the score brought to you by the Backyard Barbecue Store, your big green egg superstore that offers you everything you need for barbecuing. Joe, it's time to go out to the score hotline right now, where we're joined by Orioles beat reporter Rock Kabodko. He covers Baltimore for Masson Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Masson Rock. You can hear him right now on Hit and Run. Hey, Rock, how are you? All right, how you doing? We're doing great. A lot of interest here in Chicago in Manny Machado for various reasons on both sides of town. What do you think is going to happen this summer, or will they not even wait until the summer to do something with Manny Machado? Yeah, I always pick up more uh, uh, more followers out of Chicago this time of year. Whenever (laughs) as long as Manny's still an Oriole off season now, whatever toward the uh, deadline. I'll pick up more followers. And if he goes somewhere else, I'll lose them all. But, uh, you know, with Manny, it's one of those situations, again, where he is available, clearly, but the Orioles aren't actively shopping him at this point. They claim they never were, that it was more of a, hey, we'll listen if you want to talk to us mode, especially at the winter meeting. They did talk with plenty of clubs that came forward with varying offers. They're just trying to get a feel whether they were serious about moving him or what they were looking for for a guy that's, you know, potential rental now. And I think that I don't think that's changed. And as they, you know, go off to this horrible start, there was speculation. Well, now they've got to move them. But something else that hasn't changed, there's got to be an offer, like a suitable offer. They're not going to just give them away now because, well, we're, you know, X number of games out of first place. And now he's even closer to free agency. He's playing really well, obviously. Uh, but, hey, to so just make us an offer, like they still want that, you know, top pitching prospect, at least one. They want multiple prospects, young, controllable arms. I mean, they're, they're still looking for a lot if they're going to move a guy of this caliber, even though it is the rental. And they're hoping that at some point, if they are indeed out of the race, the team's going to step up, team's get a little more desperate closer to that deadline and might be willing to give what they're looking for because they certainly didn't get what they were hoping for, not even close over the winter. Did they make a mistake last winter, though, not, not trying to get the great offer because the longer you go the less he's worth I mean anybody can sign him after the season as a free agent and and while yes he'd be a big help to anybody I mean anybody trying to win a World Series I love Manny Machado but did they they really miss their great opportunity well the problem is again is that they didn't feel like there was the offer out there that was suitable for them to go ahead and pull the trigger on a deal they weren't you know they were holding out for multiple top prospects that teams weren't willing to give up at that time. And I think, and I know talk to people in the industry that think that, you know, even though it might not make sense math wise, you may be able to get more for him in July than you. More contenders are clearly identified at that point. 
And there are teams, you saw what happened with Chapman, Miller, guys like that. You could actually move them at the deadline and get more because teams figure, okay, this is the final piece. We're all in. Even if it is that rental, if it's a chance to win a World Series, you're going to do it. If it's a chance to keep him away from a rival, you tend to do that. Sometimes teams go ahead and get a little more desperate at that time than they are in the offseason. So I think the Orioles are kind of banking on that as well. But it's certainly a gamble because that offer never comes. You're not going to let him walk and just take a compensation draft pick. I mean, you can't do that. That is a huge opportunity lost because of what potentially you can get back for him and how that could speed up if we're going to call it the, quote, rebuilding process. So it is a gamble. But they just, you know, it's tough for them, first of all, to go ahead and part with a guy of this caliber. They don't come along every day. And because they didn't feel like they got a suitable offer, they just didn't want to trade him for the sake of trading him, conceding, but we won't be able to sign it, so we may as well move him and get whatever we can. They are looking at what, you know, the Jason Haywood deal, that always comes back, and what the Braves were able to get. And, and, you know, that's kind of where they are in the mindset. Now they're hoping that, again, as they get closer to the deadline and the team will step up and give them what they want, whoever that is. Rock, uh, at the deadline every year, especially lately, it's been about pitching, 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 adding starters, adding relief pitchers, and over-the-top move. Here we saw it with Roldis Chapman, and now we see what Gleyber Torres is doing for the Yankees since he's been called up. A little tough to watch, but it's okay because the Cubs have their ring. Do you think there are going to be a lot of teams, even though you're talking about a guy that's going to get maybe four at-bats a game, that are going to view Machado as an over-the-top move? Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's such a difference maker, and uh, especially, I guess, if you have that needed shortstop, because let's face it, Manny's made it very clear that that's where he wants to stay. Now, money talks. If somebody says, look, I'll give you $400 million, but we want you at third base, you may go ahead and concede that whole shortstop thing. But either way, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the guy's just such a huge difference maker. He is a special talent, and you can see, though, playing shortstop has really energized him. Everybody in the organization predicted this. In the offseason, we move Manny to short. So people are going to question it because you're taking a platinum glove winner, two-time gold glove winner off a third. But look how it's translated to what he's done at the plate. He got off to a really bad start last year, his first half. And you look at what he's doing now and how elite he is. And a lot of that, people think, has to do not just with contract year, but the idea that he's back playing the position he always wanted to play. So, uh, But, you know, it's interesting, though, the point you made about pitching. I think more and more you're going to find relievers because of the way – Managers are using their bullpens in the postseason. I think a, a good reliever can be more valuable now than the starters. This game really has kind of transitioned. Yeah. But either way, you can always use a guy that brings the tools Manny does at the plate and in the field. Lately, we've seen players in losing situations, losing culture, go somewhere else, change the scenery, and just take over. J.D. Martinez, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole goes from Pittsburgh to Houston, same thing. How about you, Stanton's first month, though? Yeah, yeah. Struggles there early. Yeah, we see that, too. Uh, where do you think Machado would fall in? You know, first of all, Manny has had the opportunity to win here. So that helps. Not like he's never won and he's been beaten down by it. He's desperate to go to a situation where he go to the playoffs. He's been in the playoffs multiple times as an Orioles. So I think that helps. Uh, and he keeps claiming, and I believe it, he really loves it here. His best buddy, Johnson Scope, is here. It's not, he's not a guy that's walking around miserable with that get-me-out-of-here look. Mm-hmm. But, again, it comes down to the money, and they, you just cannot envision the Orioles getting that kind of a bidding war for him. And I think he realizes that, and that's why he's not offended by any trade talks, because he knows it's a business, and you know, the Orioles have to 
it's you know prudent for them to at least be looking at what teams might be willing to offer. But he has had that he has won here before, uh, and would love to be able to stay here and continue to have that opportunity. But it just doesn't look like it's in the cards. But I think wherever he goes, he's you know he's going to be that same guy who's you know brings those kind of tools. And yeah, you know it's all, it's all about the winning, and he wants that opportunity to go someplace where he'll still get the chance to do that. And I think any team that's going to spend that kind of money is probably a team that's banking on winning, and it's not going to be somebody where he's going to some place where he's going to be losing for four or five years. He, he's so great. Is do you think there is another level? God. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So I, I, it's frightening to think what that might be, considering how he could hit for average, he hits for power, and what a sensational defender he is. Uh, he's capable probably of stealing more bases than he does. He just, this, or, this team isn't built for that, but I think he, you know, he's the kind of runner that could do that. Uh, he's not a great base runner. I mean, I, he, I think he's a guy that could steal second for it, but you'll see him make some decisions where he gets thrown out on the bases and you're kind of putting your hands up like, Manny, what were you thinking? So maybe that's an area you get a little better at, but now we're nitpicking because of everything else this guy brings. I mean, if there's, if there's another level, it's frightening to think, but he's still young. So it's conceivable that, yeah, maybe there is. Maybe he could uh, certainly put together the two really big halves like he might be able to do this year. Because, again, last year, you know, he had that really bad first half. And let's face it, he's putting up these numbers here where it'd be very easy to pitch around them because he was the only guy hitting for the first, you know, month or so here. Uh, and he was still putting up this kind of number. So now that the, the, he's getting some support behind him, he looks like he could really take off. He's Rock Cabaco. He covers the Orioles for Masson in Baltimore. He joins us on the score right now. Joins us a few times a year, and usually, Rock, I start the conversation by saying, I have no idea what the Orioles are doing, and I have no idea how they continue to win because it just doesn't make any sense. But it has come to an end. It's not happening this year. And you have a, you have a general manager and a manager, I believe, in the final year of their deals. What is the future for those guys? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an organization that could go through a big transition here because of all the pending guys, free agents. And you're right, Duquette and Showalter both, last year's of the contracts, of course, with Manny, with Adam Jones, with Zach Britton, with Brad Brock. I mean, there could be a tremendous amount of turnover, and that's why the Orioles didn't want to tear it down last year because they thought, you know what, this window's closing, but we haven't, you know, we want to go for it right now while we can before we might have to go in another direction then they get off to this kind of start. Injuries really hurt them. Guys weren't hitting. Uh, you know, different things. They were playing bad pretty much in all facets of the game. The defense has really slipped, and that was an area they wanted to improve in, and they've been one of the worst fielding teams in baseball. So now they're left in a situation where if this doesn't get better real soon, and Duquette said Memorial Day is the marker where you kind of reevaluate, then they're going to have to go ahead and start you know, trading off some guys and, and look to, again, speed up whatever we're going to call this, the rebuild. But that leads to the question of who is calling the shots because of Dan Duquette being in his final year, you know, there's a lot of speculation he won't be back. So should he be the guy then that is making these decisions in the draft and with trade? Or should that be, should Buck have more input with the assumption that he's back? And I kind of get that sense that he will be if he wants to be. Brady Anderson seems to have a, a bigger role now, certainly in contract negotiations with Cobb, Cashner, and Tillman. Is he the guy? Uh, you know, ownership higher up, you know, Peter Angelos, the sons have been more active now uh, running the team. So, and I think that tends to sometimes, to put it mildly, confuse some other front office people who want to conduct business and don't know where they're supposed to go here. And then, you know, sometimes it gets, it's a little bit slow 
getting a final decision makes, you're going through some different layers here. Uh, so it, it is a very complicated situation, I think, more than anything, just because of Dan Duquette's status right now and whether, you know, if there isn't that commitment for him to return next season and beyond, then is he the right guy to be calling the shots now if you're going to have to make some of the more important decisions maybe in franchise history with these trades and with this upcoming draft where I believe they have the 11th pick. So that's kind of where we are right now. That's We're all pre- feeling the same way. We kind of shrug and say, well, we don't know how this is going to work out, but let's find out. Yeah, I've seen it too many times before, Rock, and I not in, just in Baltimore, but in so many places. It's just hard to understand why you would allow a guy who's not going to be here in a few months to determine the future of your franchise. Right, and that's with the assumption that he isn't. I mean, now, certainly nobody's come out and said we're going to go in another direction. I just think there's that feeling that uh, beyond the season, you know, even, even though they've made it work, we already know Duquette, Showalter, you know, they, they don't always see eye to eye. It's kind of an uncomfortable relationship, I guess you would call it. Uh, on, and so, you know, could, could they proceed forward with the two of them? It's just the assumption is that they won't. It's not, not like they're fighting and they hate each other. It's just it's not, it's not the, the easiest partnership, I guess. So I talked to somebody that said, well, why is that even an issue? You know, the manager and GM don't have to necessarily work together. One guy manages and one guy is the GM, <laughs> which I guess is a fair argument. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's somehow they, it has worked, though. I mean, Buck's been one of the best managers in baseball, and Dan's made – a series of moves with, you know, a budget that doesn't rival the Yankees and Red Sox that have still panned out. And this team went from 14 straight losing seasons to making the playoffs in 12, 14, and 16 and winning the division in 14. So in that regard, it's hard to argue with the results. But, you know, the moves they made so far the offseason that we thought was going to make them a better team certainly did on paper, but overall just hasn't translated to their play on the field. And, and again, not making excuses, but I think part of that is the injuries. With Scope's back now, Trumbo's back, suddenly they're hitting better. Britton will be back, we think, early June. Question is, by then, is it too late to have an elite closer back on a team that's in last place? Rock, I talked to some people before the year started that thought, maybe, who knows, maybe Dylan Bundy can put it together and make a run at a Cy Young. And he was off to a wonderful start. You know these numbers, but for our listeners – his last three starts, an ERA of 19, opponents hitting 460, and an OPS of 1,600 against him. What is going on there? Yeah, that's not good, is it? Uh, I, I don't think so. It doesn't yeah. sound yeah. good. No, uh, maybe it, for may- fantasy baseball players, that he might not be the guy you want to pick up right now. And that last outing where he didn't retire a batter, gave up four home runs, that was historic. That hadn't happened before. And it is puzzling because he is 100% healthy. So that certainly isn't Against the Royals. an issue there. Yes. Um, of all teams, that one of the, I think they were like 28 out of 30 teams in home runs going into that series. Uh, but he's healthy, and, you know, he had a good bullpen session. He's trying to make a few little maybe adjustments. But his last three, it's been puzzling because it's been such a drop off those last three compared to how he did previously. So, you know, you don't expect a guy that's at his level now to have that kind of a problem in three straight starts. And it's a big deal because the club's leaning so heavily on him and on Kevin Gosman. Unfortunately for them, Gosman's been the opposite. He's trending in the right direction. But I think the thing with Bundy, given his injury history, especially the Tommy John and some other things, they're just relieved to know that there's nothing physical. The arm is totally fine. Uh, and it's just when it's the typical, anytime a pitcher's really struggling, it always starts with not commanding the fastball. And then when that doesn't happen, you got to rely more on your secondary pitches. And if you don't have a feel for those in a particular start, 
you've got nothing else. And that's really what's been happening to him. But it's always going to start out, first and foremost, being able to command that fastball and then work off of that. He just hasn't been able to do it. Rock, were you surprised that Manny wanted to go back to shortstop? And are you surprised after so many years away and some serious injuries that he's been as good as he's been at the position? Yeah, I mean, he, he's had just a few moments where, you know, a few rocky moments. I think that was more of a, oh, we just kind of took J.J. Hardy for granted. J.J. made every routine play and nothing flashy, but he was so reliable. As soon as the ball was hit to him, he'd look down and already mark 6-3 on your scorecard without even watching the rest of it. So I think we got spoiled there. But, but yeah, uh, with Manny, I mean, it is his natural position. Buck kept stressing, I'm not moving him to a new position. I'm putting him back at his old one. Uh, you know, with Manny... I, I knew he he wanted to play shortstop, but, you know, he respected Hardy so much, you know, as out of deference or whatever, he wasn't going to make a fuss about it. He knew eventually J.J. would move on, and that position would be there for him. And I give him credit for, you know, patiently waiting. Uh, there were some thought about whether the position might be a little too taxing for him, you know, surgically repaired knees, and, you know, he filled in for like 40 games one year, and it, it, it took a toll on him. You know, it's... It, it, that's why he works so hard in the offseason. His workouts are geared more toward being a shortstop as opposed to a third baseman, kind of changing the body a little bit. But I knew he always wanted to do that, and uh, you know that, that was his position. I give him a lot of credit for working out at third base at double-A Bowie, getting called up and being as good as he was, because that, you know, that was completely unfamiliar territory for him. You know, he, he's wanted to play short. Uh, it was a gamble for a team that was kept stressed. We got to improve our defense, and he put Tim Beckham at third, who had five major league starts there. And you've got you know Manny, who you know ha- hadn't played it in a while consistently. So that was a gamble, and, and they've been scrambling now to find some consistency at third base. But yeah, Man- Manny, you know he's. We figured that once he got himself reacclimated to position, that he was going to be really good there. Rock, thanks for your time. Great stuff. We always appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be talking again in the months to come. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Rock Kabodko from Masson in Baltimore. Um, I know Theo said this week that they're, you know, they're they're they don't have an appetite for trading, you know, controllable players for rentals. Special circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Of course he would say that. He's also not going to telegraph for you exactly what he's going to do. He can say anything he wants. It doesn't mean that he doesn't. He isn't going to do the exact opposite tomorrow, or and then just say, "Well, I changed my mind." He's not going to tell you exactly what he's going to do. He's not going to inform every club in baseball what his plans are. Now, normally, would you say put a package together of Kyle Schwarber and Addison Russell for a guy like Manny Machado when no you can't be sure that you're going to sign him or would you do it only for two months knowing you could sign him and give up no players two months later? Generally speaking, no, you would not do things like that. But this is a difference maker. And I'm not saying this is what the Cubs will do. I'm just saying when you have this conversation among your group in the front office and with your manager, you talk about things like how much better does a player like this, this is a generational player, okay? How much better does he make us? Is there any chance we can sign him? And is he good enough to put us in the World Series conversation again? I mean, right now, they're still my favorite to get to the World Series from the National League, which then means you're going to be facing someone like the New York Yankees or the Houston Astros or maybe the Boston Red Sox. Is he so good that you'd be willing to do something like that? No, I, I wouldn't. 
I'm just saying these are the conversations you of have. Course. Look, they didn't want to give up Glaber Torres. But based on what Rock, Rock was to, saying also, yeah. uh, what they're looking for, there doesn't seem to be a match. Now the Cubs can go over the top and sell them if it, they want pitching. Well, we don't have pitching, but we have this and this to beat other teams. I, I don't see that happening. 312-644-6767. Lots of people still on hold want to talk about the White Sox. Oh, a couple of things from Rick Renteria a few minutes ago over at Wrigley. Car- okay. Carson Fulmer will make his next start. Okay. And today, Yohan Moncada is taking BP infield and running. Okay. Very good. We will uh, continue to update on uh, things that are happening at Wrigley Field. 1140, we'll talk to Bruce Levine. Noon, Ned Coletti right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Did you just double dip that chip? Excuse me? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. <laughs> So that's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. From now on, when you take a chip, just take one dip and end it. Well, I'm sorry, Timmy, but I don't dip that way. Oh, you don't, huh? You dip the way you want to dip. I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip! Hey, hey, hey! Give me- the boyfriend. I'm the boyfriend. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner in until 1245, taking you up to Cubs baseball here on the Score. Eli Hershkovich providing us with plenty of Seinfeld drops today. Tomorrow, the 20th anniversary of the finale. Kevin Zipak in for the updates, of course. Also a big Seinfeld guy. Look, if you're a White Sox fan, I understand you're upset. <laughs> I understand that this is impossible to watch. I get that. I, I don't think anyone on this show would tell you you have to watch that. I don't think anyone here would tell you you have to like the plan. I don't think anyone here You don't have to spend you, money at that park. Sorry, you I, don't. I understand if you don't. I don't think anyone here would tell you you have to like management or the manager. Or any of this. I would just suggest, and this is this is what I used to tell Cub fans. Did you like the way it was working before? How did you like the way that it was happening the previous hundred and something years? Was that was that satisfying for you as a Cub fan? Was that was that working well for you? The the praying the, for the lightning in a bottle, right? Or spending an enormous amount of money having backloaded contracts and knowing that after a year or two of good, you are going to be in for many, many years of bad. Well, uh, I mean, you want, I, you it, like, you like the system the way that it was. If you so, are spending money though, they're going to have to start spending because they are banking a lot of money right now. And next year there is very little on the books, and in two years they have one contract on the books, and yeah. it's Tim Anderson. I remember hearing this. I remember having this conversation on this station in 2013. It was like opening day of 2013, and someone said to me, "This is now you're one year in, one year in, right?" And it was opening day 2013. You're one year into a five year plan, and someone said to me, "They're going to have to spend money after this season." 
And I said, oh, no. And I said, why? So they are really long way away. It's like you forget how long this can take. And I think that's happening in respect to the White Sox. You forget how long this is going to take. It is long. It is painful. It is miserable. And you hope you come out the other side with what you plan to come out of. It's just funny that everyone loved Rick Hahn a few months ago because of everything they got for well, There's Eaton's no more and- trades to make now. Now, now you need these guys to come through the system and your best players outside of Kopech and Eloy Jimenez are very far away. And yet, they, they might work, but it's going to take some waiting. You know, what hurts is the injuries to your draft picks. That's, that's really bad. Eli, yesterday uh, John Lester was speaking after the game about mound visits, and he said this. We're always trying to change and, and stay one step ahead. and uh, You know, I pride myself on you know, just not crossing guys up, and I did that today. And um, you know, it's just a it's a lonely feeling for them. It's a lonely feeling on the mound when you do cross up a catcher because uh, obviously you don't want them to get hurt. Just prior to that, he mentioned the Apple Watches and the center field camera and the technology. And this is what I was referring to a month or two ago when I was telling you, Joe. These players believe now that guys in the dugout are getting him information in real time about signs from people who are in video rooms able to communicate with them instantly let them know exactly what's happening mm-hmm. so this is a real this is a real problem and the mound visit thing cost the cubs a game last week and it's it, it's a it's it, john lester called it dangerous for catchers because they don't you know, sometimes just don't know what's coming. When there's guys on base, they're being extraordinarily careful right now. How many times this year has Contreras almost got his hand smacked by a bat? And then, and then what happens? He breaks his hand. Then what? That's probably bad for the Cubs. Yeah. Probably a bad thing <laughs> the way, for the Cubs. Uh, I think his OPS is 2,400 the last three games. <laughs> Here's Kevin Zipak with a scoreboard update. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Every time I see him, he says, what's up, love? All the time. So he's got something for everybody. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you till 1245. That is the great Harold Reynolds. Yes. who won an award this week as the best studio <laughs> analyst in sports. Not just an award, an Emmy. He won an Emmy. Most outstanding sports personality. That's just so perfect for our time. Look around. You were so, just, I tweeted that out. You were so every mad. Every time I see him, he says, what's up, love? I just laughed. You got to laugh. That's the world that we live in, truly. Wait, who Everything do I is know ba- that every- does that? Hmm. Oh, Harold Reynolds. I know him. Everything, everything, that yeah, sure, happens all the time. Everything is backward in this world. Just look around. Look around. I mean, everything. Who gets the big jobs and all that? Everything. Yeah. Everything is backward. It's perfect that he would, I mean, it's just. It's like something out of broadcast news. It's perfect, like that he would win that. The so, world we live in now, too. Uh, people remember his past at another job. Yep. I mean, really? It's just, it's fantastic. So this and week, he's horrible. This week, my favorite Harold Reynolds moment is he was talking about Marwin Gonzalez. And he said, Some guys just shouldn't have a position. 
Some guys are just made to play multiple positions. This is a guy who wants to play multiple positions, doesn't want a position because he's happy when he can move all around the field. There has never, Joe Ostrowski, been a player in the history of baseball who didn't want to come to the park knowing what position he was playing. Ben Zobra signed here because they promised him he would play second base. There's no player who's ever said, yeah, I'd like to play five or six positions a week. A guy that played. Yeah. It's done out of necessity usually. He he doesn't, Harold doesn't watch any games. He doesn't know anything. And he just opens his mouth and speaks, which happens a lot. (laughs) Which happens a lot in the radio and TV business. Yeah. He just opens his mouth and speaks. He just says things. I mean, you have 10 analysts on that station who are dynamite. I mean, Carlos Pena, phenomenal. Plesak, phenomenal. DeRosa, phenomenal. Cliff, I, I, Cliff most people Ford. don't like him. I like Eric Burns because he's entertaining. Yeah, he is. He is annoying. He's a lot. Wow. But Ooh, I he's like, a lot for me. I like because he yells at Mad Dog, though. In the, I, in, in the morning, it's too much. <laughs> I need a little bit more quiet time in the morning. That's a little at too At noon? A little, a little early? <laughs> No, those two idiots can yell at each other. That's fine That's with funny. me. That's funny. That's fine with me. But, I mean, Cliff Floyd is really good. Darling is great. Smoltz. Lighter is great. Smoltz is great. You could look around all of sports and find some. Eddie Olchek, pretty good, pretty good analyst. He's been in studio a lot, although technically not a studio analyst. But Harold Reynolds is the best studio analyst in sports? Most outstanding. <laughs> really? Uh, I, Eli's, uh, Eli wants me to take a break, but hold on. I got to find this. The Bob Nightingale. Charles tw- Barkley didn't make the cut, huh? Charles Barkley. Personality. It's what the. And Charles knows basketball. He's watching the games. You got to watch the games. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you could probably come up with a few. He's the worst one they have out of how many? So here I have two. <laughs> I have like, two Bob Nightingale tweets of the week for you, as long as we're talking about Harold oh, Reynolds. Uh, this is Bob Nightingale. Now that the Arizona Diamondbacks have formal permission to look around and leave Chase Field, you can bank on them playing in Scottsdale in 2022, close to the Cubs' spring training complex. Anything wrong with that? <laughs> anything, anything wrong with that tweet? The Cubs are in Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob lives in Arizona. And Mesa and Scottsdale, not quite. Did the- he, okay, was there a follow-up to that? Uh, he did eventually correct himself. Been a lot of apologies lately. Um, Adam Eaton, this is Bob on Thursday. Adam Eaton undergoes arthroscopic surgery to remove cartilage tear in knee. Yeah. We'll begin rehab next week. I'd correct that one, too. It's his ankle. How's that trade worked out? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Rough go for Adam Eaton. All right, we got to get to a break. Joe, we have a lot left to do. We have so much Cubs and Sox left to do. We will talk Cubs and Sox next with Bruce Levine here on Hit and Run on the Score. What's up, blood? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you until 1245. So much Cubs and White Sox stuff left to do. Ned Coletti coming up top of the hour. But you know what that music means? It means it's time to go out to the score hotline. Where we're joined by score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse, every Sunday on Hit and Run, and you can follow him on Twitter at MLB 
Bruce Levine. Okay, Bruce, what is happening with Ben Zobrist and his shoes? Well, uh, he talked to us after the game uh, yesterday and said that he would totally talk to Major League Baseball and the Players Association. He'd have nothing to say. And, yeah, uh, I, I was there. It sounded like he had already gotten smacked around by the commissioner when he was talking to us yesterday. It, it did. It was very on Ben Zobrist like. And, you know, uh, talk about integrity and a guy that is a selfless player. It's It's certainly... Ben Zobris is going to be on that team. If you have a, if you have ten guys or nine guys, he's going to be on that team. He's just a, a terrific team player and a, a great individual. But uh, this one, where he's trying to, uh, you know, go back in time and, uh, you know, salute uh, the Ernie Bankses and the Stan Musials and the history of the game by wearing a black, um, you know, kangaroo style, you know, cleat like uh, everybody used to wear the old spike. Um, Seems pretty innocuous to me, but I guess uh, you know uh, when when Joe Madden uh, was asked this morning uh, about that, he said, "Well, you know, if there's any part of the uniform that can be and that is uh, used for the individual, it's the shoes. Because uh, other than the color, everybody has a different style shoe or a different company representing them. So there's some hypocrisy along with it. Uh, the color, obviously." Uh, means something to the major league baseball and, and all that stuff. But I think it's, I think it's a really a trumped up thing, you know, to, to really come down on a guy for wearing the wrong color shoe. I love that I, Joe I could, backed him up too, completely yeah, after course. the game. Yeah. Because, you know, it's a shoe. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. Right. I mean, it's like, uh, you pay, uh, obviously the companies pay millions of dollars to guys to wear their brand, but do you really, you think people can really tell the difference? Uh, when they're looking at it, uh, from a promotional standpoint, New Balance makes these black shoes, and I guess you know there there is a uh, you know a logo battle going on as to whether or not they should have it. But I, you know, how how deep can we go with this kind of stuff? I think it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it is. I, it is with any with any league, and yeah, they they want control over everything. So what is it has to be fifty one percent of of the Cubs colors. It's it's ridiculous. Something to really worry about. I mean, just crazy. Uh, it's, it's fun for us because it's one more thing where a player is disagreeing with a league, and and who doesn't like to see somebody standing up to the boss and uh, saying, "I'm not doing it, and you're not firing me." I mean. That's a you know that's a favorite of any any American or a worker you know um, I'm standing my ground and here's the reason it's my principle that I'm standing up to it so I think we all love that part of it. Earlier this week, Chris Bryant hit his 100th home run. Also earlier this week, Jeff Passan, Barry's guy, said that <laughs> Chris Bryant he's making the argument that Chris Bryant is not a superstar. Does that make any sense to you? No, what define what a superstar is, and if Chris Bryant isn't in the uh, isn't in the conversation, you, you, you've lost me. How how is he not? I mean, Na- uh, I, I think the angle was nationally. Um, is he viewed as a superstar in the city of New York? Why wouldn't he be? I mean, from from every uh, angle, including old school statistics and new school numbers, it tells you that. Bryant is uh, the top three or four players in baseball. Last year, you could say, okay, you got a down year in home runs, down year in RBI, 29 and 78. 
and uh, that was, uh, you know, that wasn't up to his standard of uh, 35 and 100. And yet his, uh, his war by the new school stats was 6.14. I mean, he was third in, uh, in baseball in, in war. So by any standard, Chris Bryant is a, a sensational player that's only getting better. You know, look at his OPS this year. Look at, I'm going to give you guys a, a, a tremendous thing to look at and for everybody to look at there. Look at his strikeouts from the beginning when he started out with 199 his rookie year. He goes to 158 strikeouts his second year when he's the MVP. He goes to 128 last year, and now he's on pace to have maybe 100 or less this year. Uh, to talk about excellence and, and just always looking at trying to be a better player, nobody does it better, I think, than, uh, than uh, Chris Bryant. I mean, plus he, plus he plays at a level uh, where if you want him in the right field, he'll go out there and embrace it. If you, if you want him to go to um, a different position, left field, third base, wherever you want to go, not only does he do it, but he embraces uh, the idea of uh, – going to those positions. So for me, uh, if you're starting a team, uh, I would I would ask Jeff, how many people would you take ahead of uh, Chris Bryant? He said his six guys are Trout, Harper, Judge, Altuve, Otani, Kershaw. Okay, good for him, I guess. I mean, those, those, <laughs> well, those, are, all, those are all great players. We were talking about but, it uh, the other morning. It's You're just – he uh, apparently – the way you view a, a window of where players hit the prime, he hasn't even hit the prime. I, I'm taking I'm taking Bryant over Harper every day of the week. Isn't it kind of like a given that if he decides to play long enough, he's going to be over 500 homers? I would say so. I mean, he, uh, to me, he's going to hit 40 home runs this year, drive in 120, uh, maybe steal, uh, maybe um, score. You know, the, the one thing people don't even recognize is that he's always right there at about 100 runs scored. Uh, a superlative base runner, a guy that uh, knows how to run the bases and uh, and do the right things. I don't I don't know. I mean, defensively, you know, he's not a superstar on defense. He's a good third baseman. He's not a great third baseman. Uh, but uh, from the perspective of an overall important player, he he's what twenty six. He's only going to get better and better and better. And the reason I say that is because I see how hard he works in the off season. To, uh, to get better and never being satisfied with the game that he has. I don't really even understand the conversation, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I mean, if he, if Chris Bryant were on the open market after this season, would he be any less, would he be of any less interest to the entire game of baseball than Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? I think well, that's how ba- you frame Baseball's it. been criticized for not marketing their superstars you know, out west, do people go out of their way to watch Chris Bryant? I think that's what the argument is. I think he's also underrated for um, if you converse with him or hear uh, him in interviews and spend any time talking to him whatsoever, he the, the, the waters run really deep as far as uh, what what he can handle. Not, not afraid of controversies, standing up and telling you exactly what he thinks, and always doing it in a nice, pleasant way. Could be couldn't have a more respectful guy for uh, people to talk to or respecting the game itself. Maybe I mean, he should maybe he should flip his bat, Bruce, and stand at home plate and watch five hundred foot homers. I'll, maybe that's maybe I'll that's, take nine of them any day. I'll take him over Harper any day of the weekend. And Harper, you know, he might be sexier yeah. and he have a bigger upside. Uh, but to me, um, 
uh, I, I'll take Brian over him any day. I love week. that. I love that he drops his bat. He's a respectful person. I love that he. It's like Andre Dawson. He drops his bat and runs around the bases. Everybody loved that he tickled Castro. Like that is just so Bryant, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, this is a guy who knows how to have fun within the realm of the game. And the beauty of Brian is he could have played in any era and fit in. How many guys can you say that about these days? Need legal advice by a reputable attorney? Send questions you want answered to cbschicago.com slash legal advice. And look online for free legal Fridays with Horwitz, Horwitz, and Associates. That's cbschicago.com slash legal advice. We're visiting with Bruce Levine, score baseball insider. I, I could I could use the Horwitz and Horwitz today because I'm taking both my ex-wife and my girlfriend and my daughter out for dinner. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, back up for just a second. Beep, uh, beep, beep. Say say that again. Yeah, taking my ex-wife, my girlfriend, and my daughter out for dinner tonight after the game. It's Mother's Day. I'm in. I'm in awe. Are you? Uh, are you getting flowers for everybody too? They are. They've already been sent to everyone. Wait, to, is this one dinner? Yep. Yeah, one dinner. One dinner. Wow. That's Im- that's so, Im- so I, I might need uh, Horwitz and Horwitz afterwards. <laughs> that's impressive, Bruce. Hey, Bruce, we have we have talked a lot about the White Sox today and the anger of White Sox fans. I don't remember if we encountered this yesterday morning or not. It seems like a very long time ago right now. But did, did uh, I, I don't know if we did, but are you sensing that? And do you have an understanding exactly of why? Why they're so angry? Yeah. Yeah, because they stink beyond compare. And nobody, I mean, everybody expected the White Sox to be bad, but nobody thought that they were going to be all-time bad. There were there were people in our field that were predicting them to win 80 games. Yep. Remember that? In, yes. In the preseason? Yep. It's nonsense. I mean, 80 games, oh, maybe 85. You know, it's like, based on what? You didn't have a starting pitcher that won more than seven games last year. Three-year starters were in the minor leagues. One guy was traded and then released. Uh, the other guy was hurt, and the year before he lost uh, 16 games and surrendered uh, 40 home runs. So what, what was it based on? You know, the, the idea was is that the White Sox were going to bring some young players along, like Mancata and Anderson and uh, the Giolitos, the Lopez's, and the Fulmers. They're going to get full opportunity at major league level to compete. And that, uh, you know, when somebody else got hurt along the way, Nobody of top caliber was going to be there to replace them, and you're going to lose a lot of games and, and get another high draft pick in uh, 2019 uh, off of another bad year. But nobody thought it would be uh, the, uh, the Tigers bad of 2000 or the Mets bad of 1962. Nobody thought that they would be challenging for that. And, you know, at the present time, I think the anger is, you know, it's okay to be bad, but – when it's embarrassingly bad, they're our team. Uh, we can't we can't deal with it. I, the the other thing, Bruce, is I also think it's just been a really bad week for Sox fans with Berger and now Kopech has been getting roughed up at AAA. That there, there's a lot of things going into it, and now they have to deal with the Cubs losses. Right, but you know, people have short memories how bad the Cubs were losing 103 and 98 back to back years. I mean, that was. That was as awful as awful can get. Remember back then, and you know you can't remember some of the names at all that uh, participated on those teams that were were that bad. Very few of those people are around right now. 
Bruce, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Have, I hope, a short game today and a good dinner tonight, and uh, we will talk to you next week. If the Fisticuffs break out, Barry, I'm going to call you and you call Horwitz and Horwitz for me. I'm, uh, I will pass along their number, but I am turning off my phone. All right. Take care, guys. See you, Bruce. Bye. That's Bruce Levine, score baseball insider. I guess this is a flaw on my part, Joe, but I don't see degrees of bad when your plan is to tear down and rebuild. I don't see degrees of bad. You're just bad. I Give mean, me 120 what, losses what over 90 losses in the sixth pick or agreed, whatever. Agreed. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If you want to call us after we talk to Ned Coletti at noon, you may do so then. I know there's a lot of people still on hold. We'll get to you eventually right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.